queers and stuff, and we're Allison, and we're Shan, and this is Vintage Lesbians. Hello and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. I am Shan, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Allison. How's it going, Allison? Hello, Shan. I am doing very well. Um, I, at the time our listeners are listening to this, it will be my first day back at work for a week. But right now, I'm just enjoying my vacation. I'm glad you're enjoying your vacation. Having a whole week off. I went to Portland. Now I'm back. And I have like a day of just hanging out at home, which is an important part of vacation for me personally, as a person. We're having like a luxurious record right now. Yes. It's, it's mid-afternoon. I just ate cherries off the stem. We're not rushed. Mm-hmm. This is this is nice. We should try to do this more often. It'll be difficult when working. But yeah. right now? But right now we can enjoy it. A lot of recording on a weekday. Oh, man. <laughs> it just feels nice. How are you, Shan? Um, I'm, I'm doing okay. Good. Still unemployed. Pretty excited to talk to you about dead gay people. Shan, you've been teasing these Finnish lesbians for weeks, and if I don't hear about them now, I'm going to explode. And then you're going to have to clean up my body parts from all over the living room, and you and won't then I wouldn't have a podcast. Back. And you also wouldn't have a podcast. Come on, we're not getting the deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be real. Today, on our podcast, Vintage Lesbians, the podcast that you and I make together, our friendship podcast. I'm familiar with it. This I'd one? like to talk to you. About uh, not just one, but two <gasps> lesbians. Oh my goodness. Why don't we just, just dive, dive in. right in? Do you have any content warnings for me? Not any major ones, but I am going to talk a little bit uh, or allude to a little bit the situation at the uh, border and at, uh, hmm. you know, the concentration camps. Yes, I'm familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <sighs> let's talk about Tuliki Pietella. That's how you say your name. Mm-hmm. Tuliki Piatella. Tuliki Piatella. Tuliki Piatella. Yeah. That's nice. It's a good name. Uh, Tuliki was born in 1917. Tuliki, or Tutti. Cute. As she was known. Uh, her full name mm-hmm. was Tuliki Ida Helmi Piatella. That's a good name. It's a good name. Um, she was born February 18th. In Ooh. 1917, She's which an makes her an Aquarius, Aquarius, just on the cusp of Pisces. I'm a Pisces on the cusp of Aquarius. Whoa. Yeah. It's probably the best sign combo. I know that cusp's a little controversial in just the, a, just a the bit. world. Just a bit. The reason I include that is because I found a quote of her talking about being uh, an emerging Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was funny. I, the reason I'm not telling you the exact quote is because it was badly translated Finnish. <laughs> uh, she was born in Seattle, actually, where we live. That's where we live. Yeah. Uh, to her parents, Franz and Ida, uh, who are both uh, Finnish. Um, and then when she was three years old, they moved back to Finland, settling in a city called Turku. When was this again? Did this you... was, uh, she was born in 1917. So this 17. would have been 1920 okay. Okay. when they moved back to Finland. Um, and as a little girl, Tuliki loved to draw. Um, and her parents both encouraged it because they came from families that valued the arts. Um, and I think that they were professionally involved in the arts, but there's very little information that I could find about them. Once again, Jan, you got all of this information from Google Translated 
documents of Finnish, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I've seen you working on them day and night this, for a this, fortnight. The small amount of information that I have on, on Tuliki is, uh, took me a lot longer to parse than all of the information that I have on the second Finnish lesbian we'll, we will be learning about. <laughs> anyway, um, Tuliki was an artist, uh, a very important graphic artist in Finland, actually. And she began her art career in uh, 1933 when she began to study graphics at the Art Society of Turku before she moved to Helsinki in 1936 to study at the Finnish Art Institution for just under four years. Because there was this big thing that happened in uh, 1939. Hmm, yes. Was it World War II? It was indeed World War II. Yes. Uh, So she... Stopped studying um, because she was serving during the war at the Finnish military administration in Eastern Karelia. Now, I said a lot of words there. <laughs> I'm just sort of staring at you. like, Do yep. you know what any of them? Well, serving at a mm-hmm. military station, I assume that means that she was, you know, serving at a military station. And then you gave me a location that I think might be where she was serving. Yeah. So the Finnish military administration was an interim government put in place, run by the military, um, in areas of Finland that were occupied by the Soviet army. Oh, I see. Um, As they were, like, pushing back and taking over. There were still civilians in those areas, so they had to be governed somehow. Um, And what she did was she worked in the education department. Oh. So very likely she taught art. She did that the entire time the administration existed from 1941 to 1944. And in addition to working in the education department, she set up a studio there where she continued to draw. And after the war, she helped to care for Finnish war children in Sweden for about a year. Do you know what Finnish war children are? I'm guessing they were children who were either separated from their parents or orphaned during the war. Ring-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the Finnish war children were the thousands of children who were evacuated from Finland, uh, mainly to Sweden, but also some to uh, Norway and Denmark, sort of to lift some of the hardship and strain Mm -hmm. from their parents who were, like, rebuilding their homes in reconquered Karelia and to, like, recover from their evacuation. So is this a temporary thing? It was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think about 80% of the children did return, but 20% were uh, adopted or stayed uh, with the families that they uh, were living with. Eventually, this was recognized as far more psychologically harmful than any trauma that was suffered by the children who stayed in Finland with their parents. Yeah, no kidding. Because separating children from their parents and siblings is more traumatic so you mentioned at the beginning that you were going to allude to the concentration camps at our border. Is this... It's just, it's almost like family is a fundamental need, even when the surrounding circumstances aren't exactly ideal. And it seems like it's probably pretty inhumane to separate families for any amount of time, much less for weeks on end with no showers or beds or toothbrushes. Who can I scream at loud enough? I don't know. I feel so powerless. So because... do I. It, it, it stresses me out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to 1945. Um, After the war and her time caring for the Finnish war children, Tuliki moved to Stockholm where she studied at the Royal Academy of Fine Arts. Um, She studied there for another four years. And then for another four years, she continued her studies in Paris in, in many different art schools, learning about many different styles and techniques. 
And during this time, she was written about in magazines and she uh, was in exhibitions and things. I think her first solo exhibition was in about 1943 or 1945. She sculpted, she painted, she made lithographs, graphic prints, um, and she did styles as different as realism to abstract art. And she also made dioramas. I feel like we never hear of dioramas as an art form anymore. Yeah, we don't. I love a diorama. But they're neat as heck. Would I recognize any of her art or is that coming later? It's probably coming later. I think you will recognize some of it tangentially. She was an extremely prolific artist. In her career, she created over 1,400 pieces of art. And she also studied for 15 plus years of her life. She was Mm -hmm. in school. Yeah, I was trying to add it up in my mind. Yeah. She especially dominated in uh, lithography and printmaking um, due to her use and experimentation with color. Um, because lithographs used to be you could only do like one or two colors at a time. And eventually she was making prints with up to 12 different colors. I recently started following the hashtag screen printing hashtag on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And it is so satisfying. And I highly recommend it I love, to you and others. I love watching them swipe those colors down. And they go, whoosh, whoosh, and then it's a And thing. then you lift it up and it's like, oh, it's art. Whoa. Mm-hmm. The curiosity that Tuliki brought to her work echoed in the rest of her personality. She was always open to trying new things and experimenting, always asking what if. Uh, she worked as an instructor at the Finnish Academy of Fine Arts from 1956 to 1960. And even as a teacher, she was always inspired to try something new, uh, even going so far as to introducing wood carving into the curriculum and pushing her students to experiment with color. That's so cool. Uh, She wrote a book in 1979, an art book, and contributed to a wood carving book in 1982. She's done a lot. Yeah. And by 82, she's in her late 70s. Yeah. Late 70s. Yeah. She's like staying prolific to the end. Presumably. Um, She gave an interview in 1967 wherein she emphasized the importance of a good, strong foundation in art education before beginning to like work or produce work. I agree that education can be an excellent tool, but... Not everybody has access to education, much less the 15 plus years of it Mm -hmm. that she had the privilege to get. Not everyone gets to go to school. Some people are just, Mm -hmm. there's different ways to learn. Yeah. You can be a very talented artist without having any formal education at all. Yeah. And no one can help where they were born and what resources they have. Exactly. Yeah. Both of the ladies we're talking about today are fairly privileged. Um, I feel like a lot of the people we talk about are. Several yeah, people we talk well, about super the, aren't, though. The problem is that but, most of the people that, like, by very nature of it, we're going to talk about privileged people because mm-hmm. it's a privilege to have your name be remembered, and it's generally due to some modicum of fame or money or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, she received a number of awards, um, and she was an active member of the Finnish art scene uh, for her entire life. She was on, like, uh, art trust boards and, and whatnot. Um, it did take me like a pretty long time to find all this information about her and it's like not even that much information Mm -hmm. but that's the way she would have liked it uh she was purposely pretty private and purposefully strayed like away from the public eye uh, even though her art was very influential and very important uh to finland Uh, but she said uh to her niece sophia that her relationship would not have worked if they had both been famous. Hmm. Her relationship, you say? Her relationship. Let's jump back to 1914. 
Is this auditorially pleasant for our listeners? Probably not. So 1914, Finland. Tove Janssen was born on oh. August 9th, making her a Leo. I was going to say Leo. I got it right. Mm-hmm. In my head. Uh, her father, Victor Janssen, was a sculptor, and her mother, Signa Ham Hammerston Janssen, <laughs> her nickname was Ham. <laughs> Signa Ham Hammerson. So her mother, Signa, uh, was a Swedish-born graphic designer who, among other things, designed over 220 different postage stamps oh, for Finland's post office. That's so cool. I guess someone has to do that, and I never thought about it. Right? Um, Tova's siblings um, also became artists. Her brother, uh, Per Olav, was a photographer, and he actually only died in February of this year. Oh, wow. How yeah. old was he? Old. Yeah. In his 90s, yeah. Her other brother, Lars, was an author and a cartoonist. They lived in Helsinki and spent most of their summers in a, a small rented cottage on an island about 15 kilometers east. Much like Tuliki, Tova was well-educated. She had that uh, that privilege, though she only spent eight years formally studying art. Oh, only eight years. Only eight hmm. years. More <laughs> casual. From 1930 to 33, she studied at the University College of the Arts in Stockholm, and then the Finnish Academy of the Arts until 1937, and then at two different art schools in Paris in 1938. And she displayed a number of works and exhibitions in the 30s, didn't have her first solo exhibition until 1943, when she was 29 years old, which seems late, but her art career started when she was just a little girl. Really? Her drawings were sold and published in magazines throughout the 20s, so she would have been anywhere between 7 and 15 years old the wow. first time she got paid for a piece of art. Way to go, Tove. Um, It's not surprising, given that her parents were also pretty well-known, important artists, so they probably gave her that leg up as well but she was very talented she wrote and published sorry she wrote and illustrated her first picture book at just 14 years old like a full story wow okay though it wasn't published until she was in an ancient 19 oh hmm no longer a prodigy that was in 1933 all throughout the 30s and 40s she contributed illustrations to an anti-fascist satirical magazine um, in the 30s, she also designed book covers, advertisements, postcards. She wrote and illustrated short stories inspired by her various trips to other European countries. And those stories were published in magazines and in daily papers and periodicals. Though she was already working and fairly successful as an artist, she didn't gain any fame until she started to write the Moomin Troll novels. You were talking about the Moomin Trolls last week. Tove wrote the first Moomin book in 1945 when she was 31 years old. These round, white, smooth, sort of hippo-snouted trolls. I'll put pictures of them up on the blog so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure that once you see them, you'll recognize them, even if you don't recognize the name. But they're fairly ubiquitous now in Finnish and Swedish culture. They're very cute. The first two books weren't a huge success, but in 1951, the book Finn Family Moomin Troll was translated into English, which was a huge breakthrough for the success of the Moomins. The novels echoed the real world that happened around them. The first two books that were written just after the Second World War are about catastrophes, having to leave your home, not knowing if you're coming mm -hmm. back, a comet hurtling towards you, but you're not actually sure if it'll hit you or your neighbor. 
The books also echoed Tove's personal life. Uh, in one book, two characters who look almost identical are always together, walking hand in hand and carrying a suitcase, and they won't tell anyone what's inside the suitcase. Um, it turns out to be a very large ruby, a symbol of the love they share. Aww. And they had to keep that ruby safe from a character who wanted to destroy it and leech it. And at the end of the novel, they're able to open the suitcase and show the ruby to the entire Moomin Valley. Like, I'm sure Tove wanted to show her love to the world, but couldn't. Yeah. So you said these Moomin trolls are cute little creatures who are ubiquitous in Scandinavian culture. Yes. Um, did they serve the same purpose that minions serve nowadays? No. How dare you? Okay. I was just, like, trying to find a nice little link. Moomins took joy in small pleasures. And the message throughout the books is that if we're just nice to each other, make some really good coffee, as long as the pancakes are good, nothing else really matters. That's really nice. In addition to the novels and short stories, she wrote and illustrated some Moomin picture books. And the Moomin stories were all like fantastical and magical, and they followed primarily Moomin Mama and Moomin Troll through their various adventures as they survived together, met different creatures along the way. The later books shifted to a less adventurous, more introspective, kind of darker, lonelier. And I think these are the ones that more echoed her queerness. Mm -hmm. In Moomin Land Midwinter, Moomin Troll wakes up, finds himself alone, the rest of his family asleep for the long winter and he's unable to fall back to sleep the world is covered in cold white snow and he's forced to survive in a world in which he doesn't belong hmm. fortunately he meets a character named Tutiki. that's very similar to Tuliki. sure is a wise spirit who sings songs and guides moomin troll through the winter and eventually others come to moomin house too for warmth and shelter and the moomins were all at least a little bit based on real people in Tove's life. Too ticky was too licky, of course. What? That's so thinly veiled. Moomin Mama and Moomin Troll were Tove's parents. Sometimes Moomin Troll was Tove. Mm -hmm. The ninth and final Moomin novel didn't feature any Moomins at all. Really? Instead, it follows an orphan girl as, as she searches for her mother. Tove wrote this final novel in 1970, which was the year her own mother had died. Oh. When the orphan girl finally finds Moomin House, it's empty and cold, void of its usual warmth and happiness. Tove said after publishing that book that she wasn't able to find the happy Moomin Valley after that. Oh. Now, the Moomin Troll originally... Uh, was a character that she drew in her political cartoons. Okay, cool. It was a thinner and meaner version of the kind, round Moomins, and it had a devil tail. Ooh. <laughs> um, after the success of the Moomin books, she uh, also wrote a comic strip for the London Evening News from mm -hmm. 1954 to 1959, first by herself and then with her brother Lars, who eventually who took over the strip. Uh, in 1959 because the comics sort of stole the joy of it from her. Hmm. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of the same work and she felt that it was obscuring her true talents, that she was spending too much time on, I quote, those damn moomins 
I don't want to hear about them anymore. I could vomit on the Moomin trolls. <laughs> she was tired of the Moomins, but the world was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moomins were adapted into several different stage productions, and Tove was actually involved in a number of them. There were children's plays, there were full productions, there was even a Moomin opera in 1974. Oh. Uh, and it was in uh, the early 50s, during the production of one of the plays, that Tove met Vivica Bandler. Apart from the Moomins and the other works that she wrote, uh, she was still like a graphic artist. She was a painter. She was commissioned for a series of public murals throughout Helsinki, many of which can still be seen in their original locations. Um, She illustrated Swedish translations of classic books, including The Hobbit and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I've seen an illustrated version of The Hobbit where like The Hobbit's a little green triangle. Is Is that her? If it's the Finnish or Swedish version of The Hobbit, probably nice and as i said she was a wartime satirist tove's first novel post moomin was called the summer book which um country has that concept of hygge denmark denmark okay most scandinavian countries i think because i feel like whenever i hear more a little bit about what she is like the feeling that it invokes me is similar to that feeling of Mm. hygge so the summer book incidentally Uh, follows an elderly woman based on Tove's mother and her granddaughter Sophia based on Tove's niece as they spend a summer together exploring, talking about life and nature and everything except how they felt about Sophia's mother dying and how much they loved each other. Oh my goodness. She wrote five other novels and five collections of short stories. Uh, She won several awards for the various work that she did, including the Hans Christian Andersen Award for Lasting Contribution to Children's Literature, uh, a Pro Finlandia Award, and the Order of the Smile. That's a very good name for an award. Which is an international award that is given uh, by children to adults. Oh, that's very sweet. Tove did have several relationships with men. She was actually engaged to a man for some time, a political philosopher named Atos Virtanen. Uh, that engagement ended when she had a secret illegal affair with theater director Vivica Bandler. I've heard of her from earlier. Their brief, passionate relationship was actually the basis for the two characters I talked about earlier who hid their love in a suitcase. Aww. In 1956, Tove was at a party sitting by a record player with another woman. They were guarding it so they could play their own records and no one could change the music. Nice, good. The other woman was Tuliki. <gasps> I've heard of her too from earlier in this podcast. Later in the night, Tove asked Tuliki to dance. And she refused. Same-sex relationships were illegal in Finland until 1971. Dancing with another woman would have been social disaster. But not long after this party, Tuliki sent Tove a card a fat striped cat hand drawn on the front. Phone calls followed, and then a clandestine meeting at Tuliki's studio where they drank wine, listened to music, and fell in love. Aww. Tuliki Ugh. gave Tove guidance, empathy, inspiration, and a lifelong partnership. <laughs> she actually designed the Moomin figurines that you can still purchase today, uh, and she helped build the model Moomin house that is on display in the Moomin Museum. Oh, it's wonderful. She was Tove's partner in all ways, collaborating with her on artwork and building a life together, and she enjoyed being the lesser known of the two. (sighs) They lived in Helsinki. 
but not in the same apartment. They had apartments with uh, connected studios, and there was a secret passage in the attic. Ooh. So they could visit each other. Well, They'd... because two roommates would be, like, unheard of at the time. At their age. At their age, okay. How old were they at this point? This was in the 50s, so okay, they would have been 40s. in their 40s, yeah. Mm -hmm. They traveled together, uh, circling the world, traversing Europe with a camera, eager to explore and experience all that the world had to offer. And there are at least two documentaries made from the hours of video they recorded, one of which I will link to in our blog post. The others I cannot find, but we can rent the one that I found for $3.60, and I really want to. Yeah, let's do it. In 1964, they built a small cabin on an uninhabited Finnish island called Klovaru. That's the dream. It had no running water. It had no, le no electricity. What they did have was the ability to love each other openly without fear. I was going to say it was less of the dream, but then you hit the loving each other openly without fear, and I'm back on the dream. That's really sweet. They spent 28 summers there. 28? Wow. Uh, Tove's family visited them uh, on occasion, but Tove never outright told them that they were together. She wrote in her journals that she suspected her mother knew. And her father did once attempt to confront her after he had heard some gossip, but neither would openly admit that Tuliki and Tove were in love. Hmm. To her friends, though, she was open and joyful about her sexuality, matter-of-factly stating that it was the best way forward for her. Oh. After her parents died, Tove wrote a collection of short stories called Fair Play that just barely fictionalized her life with Tuliki. The characters are basically parallel universe Tove and Tuliki. They live in the same type of connected apartment. They do the same jobs. And the stories were revolutionary. Were they both women in the stories as yes. well? Ooh. The reason it was so revolutionary is because the stories were quiet, everyday glimpses into this couple's life. Watching a movie together, hanging a painting, traveling, bickering, a radical portrayal of a gay couple mm -hmm. in love. And this was the first time that Tove acknowledged her queerness without codifying, hiding it, or veiling it. Fair Play was a testament of her love for Tuliki and a really beautiful celebration of queer love. Because they weren't forced to be secretive anymore. That's beautiful. They were in their 70s when they realized that they weren't able to go back to their island home. At that point, Tove was afraid of the sea, hmm. and they were both getting frailer. They were together for over 40 years. Wow. Until Tove died in 2001 when she was 87 years old. Tuliki died in 2009 when she was 92. Wow. The legacy that they left is enormous. Moomin Characters is one of the most profitable companies in Finland. And most Finnish homes have some sort of Moomin memorabilia somewhere. A tea towel, a figurine, plush toy, a coffee cup. The Finnish post office has issued numerous Moomin stamps, and they issued two with Tove's portrait on them in 1914 to mark the centennial Moomin celebration. Despite her part in Tove's life, Tuliki is often forgotten or deliberately erased from Tove's story. Hmm. Earlier biographies describe Tove as living alone on an island, or they mention Tuliki only once or twice, calling her a friend. That's inaccurate. Um, Tove's queer identity can't be separated from the Moomin novels where gender was often not mentioned. Characters who looked identical were in relationships together and no one blinked an eye at a troll wearing a dress when they used to wear pants. 
it was an idealized version of Finland where everyone was kind and loving and the coffee was always good and Tove could love Tuliki as loudly and fearlessly as she wanted. I really like them. Yeah, they had a really beautiful love story and I just wish that they could have celebrated it with the rest of the world without being afraid. Because... Mm-hmm boy, that sucks. And this is like a really privileged version of that. Yeah. Because they both had money and they both had jobs. and They, they were weren't... able to build an apartment with a secret passageway in it. Which, to be fair, Well, I think a lot of the addicts, a lot of the addicts in, um, in Helsinki are connected because uh-huh. sometimes you can't get to your neighbor's house through like the snowy streets. Like in um, The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis. Exactly, Allison. Um... <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts on Tove and Tuliki? I love them. I love, I love them their little too. home. I'm like picturing sunflowers and and pillows. And oh, I have some real cute pictures of oh, them. I'm this so is the excited thing. to see them. I have a picture of Tuliki in her studio with a cat, and the cat is doing a little blip. <laughs> um, and some of Tuliki's work. So you can see uh, one of her most well-known pieces is called the Tour de France. She did that in 1951 before she met Tove. Um, and then I have some of her later work as well and examples of the Moomin Trolls and some of the comics. There's also one painting by Tove called Family that she did in 1942. Now, this was in the middle of World War II, and her mm-hmm. brother, uh, Per Olav, was in the war. And at this time, they didn't know where he was or if he would come home safe. Uh, and this painting, she is dressed all in black. Her brother is in his army uniform, and everyone just looks like very sad. Yeah, it's that sounds powerful, intense. Um, and I also put up some pictures of their little island home and uh, them together. I love hearing about just like small domesticities. Like, just the small, I love the small parts of lives that we never really get to hear about, but, like, just thinking of them spending summers together in their cabin and just living, it just makes me feel very warm and nice on the inside. Yeah. Thank you for telling me about Tuliki and Tove. Thanks for listening. Hmm. Does Leslie have a plug this week? Why, yes. So, as you know, our friend Leslie made our logo, and because she made our logo, we like to plug some of her work, yeah. obviously. We and like I mean, to let you know kindness. what she's doing, so you can go check that out. So, this week, uh, Leslie would like to plug, you're improving even if you can't see it yourself. Keep up the good work. Hey, thanks, Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. I needed to hear that. I actually did need to hear that, too. <laughs> <laughs> um... Tell us more things we want to hear. <laughs> nice. Seamless segue. Uh, uh, by supporting us on Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash vintage lespod. Vintage lespod? How do you spell that? Well, that's vintage L-E-S-P-O-D. Ah. Follow us there for exclusive content. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of that is also at vintage lespod. Or you can send us an email at vintagelespod at gmail.com. You can also follow our personal social medias. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Allison Humphreys, which is spelled A-L-I-S-O-N-H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y-S. That's why I don't say it, because it's 16 letters. 15 letters. It's 15 letters right there. 
Or you could follow me on CoStar at <laughs> Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, was here. And then we could see if we were predestined to be together. And maybe move to a small island and snuggle. Grow sunflowers. Shan, where can people find you? At just a Shan underscore everywhere. J-U-S. <laughs> <laughs> I think on CoStar I'm just Shan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here today on Vintage Lesbians. I had a wonderful time talking about these vintage lesbians. Me too. And you know what I would say to our audience, our viewers, our listeners, what would you our say? friends? I would say, I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. And that was Vintage Lesbians. Love is love, bitches.